Hey girl, hey! Thank you for coming back to another episode of the Cherry Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Tanisha Cherry, and today is very special because today a queen was born, and I thought I'd be laying down half-naked, sipping a little bubbly on a boat, while relaxing along a little beach town of the Positano. That's in Italy, y'all, okay? I was supposed to be on a European excursion right now for my birthday. But Miss Corona came and said, the fuck you thought. (laughs) So now I'm in my room thinking, wow, I'm 30. Damn, girl, you getting old. So in today's episode, I'll be opening up about my past and how I got here. Let's get in. As I'm revisiting a lot of these memories, I am going to be sharing how I was feeling and what I was thinking at that age when all these things were occurring. But I'm also going to be reflecting on those situations now in the current frame of me being a 30-year-old grown-ass woman (laughs) and, you know, telling you what my observations are at this point because obviously I've grown up, my mind and my emotions have matured, I'm smarter, I'm wiser, and I just have a different viewpoint also. So I want you to keep that in mind as I'm sharing all of this with you. Let's take it back to May 3rd, 1990, a little brief background. I was born here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. That is still where I reside now. I'm my mom's second child. I do have an older brother. He's three and a half years older than me. At the time of my birth, my mom was 23 and my dad was 20 years old. Mama was a little bit of a cougar and low key, she still kind of is. I don't know what's wrong with her, (laughs) y'all. I'm not sure exactly when my parents' relationship ended because my earliest memories of them were not of them in a relationship. So off the bat, I didn't have, I didn't witness two people being in love and all that jazz. Like, I just don't have a memory of it when it comes to my parents. In those early years, I lived with my mom. Meanwhile, my dad was in and out of jail, but Even with him not being consistently present, I was still very much a daddy's girl. Like, I loved, loved, loved my dad to pieces. And one of these days, or maybe next year, I'll have my mom come on here and share my birth story because truly it's so iconic. It's the best birth story ever. I make her retell it to me every single year. When I think about my earliest memories of living in Calgary, I just think of spending lots of time with my family. You know, my mom's family, my dad's family, my brother's paternal family, because me and my brother do not have the same dad. And then also our family friends that, you know, my people that my mom was friends with for many years prior to ever having me and my brother. And, you know, these people turn into family and these are still people that are presently a part of my life. Fast forward to my mom being 29 years old and me being six, Mama Cherry she decided to move us to Miami. (laughs) So random. And when I say us, I mean just her and I. She couldn't bring my brother because between my brother's dad and his parents, they were not having it. So she could not bring my brother with us. And I'm not exactly sure what the living arrangements were with him because even with my earliest memories, I don't have him living with us and when I was talking to my brother today I was asking him I was like did you have a room at the house like I'm confused he's like I had a bedroom it was a three-bedroom 
And I was like, really? I'm like, I don't even remember that. Like, honestly, I remember my brother coming over to visit, you know? So, and this is just based on my memories at six years old before leaving to go to Miami. So when we got to Miami, we lived with my Auntie B. Prior to this, I didn't actually even know this aunt existed. My mom is one of 10 kids, so (laughs) I have a lot of aunties and a few uncles. And when my mom moved to Calgary, because she is originally from Trinidad and Tobago, she moved at the age of 13 with her mom and some of her siblings. To my understanding, my mom's dad moved to Canada for whatever reason, and he had a brother up here. And his brother was the one that got him to send for his family. I don't know if he, I don't know what the dynamic was between him and my grandma, but it was my grandfather's brother that basically pushed him into bringing his family up here but being the person that he was he only sent for my grandma and the kids that they shared together so unfortunately my auntie b was one of the kids that were left behind at six years old i registered that we were moving to miami as in we're going to a new place but i didn't register that consisted of me not coming back and not seeing my family so i didn't have the full picture When we first got there, it was really cool. It was warm. It was humid. There were palm trees. It just looks so much different than Calgary. You know, my aunt was taking us to places and introducing us to all her friends. But then as we got more settled, things did eventually change. My Auntie B's attitude started to change towards my mom, and I'm not sure why. But she would yell at my mom, and she would talk down to her, and she'd say really mean things to her. And... Oftentimes, I'd find my mom crying in the bedroom by herself, and it used to make me feel so sad inside because I had never, ever witnessed someone, let alone any of my aunts, treat my mom like this. And I felt so bad for her, and I just wanted to, you know, just protect her. This is when I started to identify that people operate differently down here. You know, this isn't like home. And this is when my mom started forming a relationship with the next-door neighbor, Charlene. Now, in my previous podcast episode, I spoke about her and how the psychic told me she's my guardian angel. I'm so thankful my mom met her because she became family to us. You know, at one point, we were even staying with her. Charlene was so funny and full of energy. She used to watch me all the time, and I loved her so much, and she really took care of me like I was a part of her family. I wish she was still here. I'm getting a little emotional thinking about her. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I wish she was still here with us so that I could have these kind of conversations with her and tell her how much I appreciate the kindness that she extended to us because she didn't have to and because she's just such a beautiful person and just a good person, she clearly observed and saw how things were And that, you know, my mom's not from around here. And she really took a liking to her and us. And she was just so amazing to us. You know, at some point, my mom just got us out of my aunt's house. And, you know, we started bouncing around from place to place. And each one having its own negative experience. You know, at one point, my mom was renting a room from this lady. And the lady, you know, she went through all my mom's stuff and stole her checks and started writing checks to herself. Um, When we eventually had our own place, my mom's boyfriend at the time broke in while we weren't home and he stole a bunch of our stuff and money. Like, 
just a hot mess. I even remember one summer, my cousins from Canada all came down to visit um, us, and my brother also came down at this time, and my brother had overheard my Auntie B and her friends gossiping really bad about my mom, and he felt a way about it, and he was upset, and so he told my mom about it. These are things that I had never been exposed to in Canada, so honestly, I feel like when I moved to Miami, my childhood was over. Any innocence I had to me was gone because I was exposed to so much at such a young age, you know? I honestly just had, I grew up instantly. It was in Miami where I built my tough exterior and I learned not to trust people because of what I had seen people do to my mom and especially women, you know? And it's crazy because when I look back on it now, I'm just like, how do you see a single mom struggling and who's not from here? And this is how you treat her. And as a single mom like yourself or as a woman who has children, like how do you not empathize with that? And how do you not want to just extend every good part of yourself to that woman. Over time, I eventually started to resent my mom because although I was learning early on that you can't just let everybody in, my mom was still being this naive girl from Canada. Like she didn't register that people operate differently down here. And she didn't realize that, girl, you don't have the support to fall back on when things go wrong like you did in Canada. You know, my mom had so much support from family and friends She didn't have that in Miami, and I don't know if she didn't realize that, but I got it. We were really struggling in Miami. Like, (sighs) there was a point where we had our belongings in my mom's car, and we were just couch hopping. And it didn't last long, but when I think about it now, it's just so crazy how much we moved around in Miami. But I still went to the same elementary school. I never missed a day of school, you know, My uniform was always ironed and looked amazing, and I was still an A-B student. I never talked about my home life or my mom or the things we went through. I kept that all to myself, not to my aunt and not even to Charlene. And I can only imagine how my mom felt being the adult in the situation where you have to be in some sort of control of what's happening and you have to plan the next move. She went from having all this support in the world in Canada to now being in a new country alone, a single mom. And she was a single mom before, but, you know, she had that family support. She had that tribe. It was hard, you guys. And I just remember always feeling so concerned for us. Like, what's going to happen next? Because truly, anything was possible. I realized that because it was happening. You know, getting evicted was a possibility. My mom losing her job was a possibility. My mom not being able to find another job was a possibility. You know, someone stealing from my mom was a possibility. Every bad thing was happening to us and I was seeing it. Miami was rough for us, but it wasn't all bad. My mom really did try her hardest to make the best out of every situation that we were in and try to create some sort of a good life for me and us. I made friends with a girl in elementary school named Kendra. She was my best friend, and we're still really great friends to this day. And my mom made her friends that she had. Um, She was really good friends with Charlene, as I mentioned. There's a lady named June that she was really good friends with, and then another girl, Linda, who she's still really great friends with. So we did meet really solid, good people. Oh, and my mom would do things like we'd go to the movies and she would um, take me to the beach for hours and we'd have these picnics where she would pack a cooler full of like my favorite snacks and stuff like that and meals and we would just hang out all day and just relax. She would take me to the library 
and she would get me books because I really loved reading and I still love reading to this day. I also spent a lot of time with my cousin Deshaun, which is my Auntie B's son. And, you know, we formulated such a solid and really great relationship. You know, he was like the annoying little brother that I didn't want, but I grew to love over time. <laughs> I know you're probably wondering, well, how did you end back up in Canada? Well, remember, I moved to Miami at the age of six and I didn't actually end up going back to Canada to visit until I was 12 years old. So I had been in Miami for six years. I completed all of elementary school and I did one year of middle school. So at this point, I was a full-on Miami girl, Floridian girl. I had an accent, the way I dressed, the music I listened to, the way I did my hair, you know, just everything, my mannerisms. I was a Miami girl. My mom sent me to Canada um, the summer going into grade seven. I don't know why she decided to do it at this point. I don't know why she didn't come with me. I don't know why she didn't take that as an opportunity to move us back, but she sent me for a visit. And... I was really happy because I missed my family so much. Although my brother would come down to visit us, you know, all the years that we lived down there and my cousins would come, it wasn't the same. And I was really happy to be back in Canada visiting with them. You know, I got to spend time with my brother, my dad, my aunts, and my cousins. And it was just amazing. I got to go to Banff. Um, my aunt sent us to like a Bible church camp for a couple a few days I don't even remember maybe it was a week I don't even remember my first time you know going to sleepaway camp um I got to try all these new amazing experiences and it was great like it really reminded me how much I missed my family and the difference between being there and in Miami I really I really missed them a lot well not everybody you know when I was in Miami I missed my dad but when I finally saw him in person it's like it clicked for me. My feelings for him really changed. And I just couldn't understand why he couldn't get his life together, you know, and be a part of mine. It was just really frustrating. And that summer when I was visiting, I was just kind of like, I was off of him. I was just like, mm. And I just wasn't, I wasn't fooling with him. I was not mm, at all. <laughs> when it was time to go back home to Miami, I ran into some issues when I hit customs. At this point, it's only my second time ever going through customs by myself. I don't even remember how it was when I was coming to Canada, but when I was leaving, it was a hot-ass mess of questions and red flags. Keep in mind, this was also after 9-11, so airport protocol and safety was a lot different than it was when I first ever went to Miami with my mom. So when I got to um, the customs agent, the first thing they ask you is, where are you going? Miami, Florida. How long are you going for? I'm staying what do you mean you're staying? I live there. Well, who do you live with there? My mom. So, you know, it's just red flag after red flag. I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be truthful, but long story short, my mom did not have her papers. I don't know all the details around that, but she didn't have her papers and that's just it. I ended up staying in Canada. <laughs> it was apparent at that point that I wasn't going back home and I was really, really upset because although we in endured so much hardship in Miami we went through them together me and my mom at that point I was more concerned for my mom being down there by herself than I was about me being without her if that makes sense I was just really worried about her now that I'm in Canada I'm living at my auntie P's house with her husband and my cousin my cousin that's uh, older than me you're probably thinking I know 
why weren't you living with your dad? Well, as I mentioned, he was in and out of jail my whole entire life, and he was just out here living the fast life, and living with him was just not an option whatsoever. It wasn't even considered an option. And I didn't mind at first because I'd been staying at my aunt's house during the summer when I was visiting, and I loved my older cousin, so, you know, I didn't think it was a bad situation or setup. You know, I loved being around my cousin. I thought she was so pretty and so cool, and... You know, I didn't mind it. At least I wouldn't be alone. My aunt had enrolled me in junior high school. Unfortunately, I couldn't attend the same one as my cousin because I'm not Catholic. So that was out of the question. Um, So she enrolled me at this other school. And I believe school was starting in like the next two weeks. So we had to hustle and bustle and get everything in order for me. I remember being really nervous because, you know, for the first time I'd be taking the school bus by myself. And I'd also be in a brand new school where I didn't know anybody. It was a lot at once. Granted, I'm from Calgary, but I'm back in a new city. I'm living in a new household with people that I haven't seen in six years that I just spent the summer with. I'm going to a new school. My aunt put me in a French immersion program. I don't know anything about French. And now I have to take the school bus. So literally every teen sitcom that I can think about is what I was thinking at that time. Every show that I ever watched, I was thinking about at that moment because I was like, you know, this could happen, that could happen. My mind was all over the place. Lucky for me, I met my best friend, Camille, on the very first day of school, and I actually ended up reconnecting with a family friend's daughter. God was on my side that day because the first break we had, I was outside and I was by myself. You know, I remember one of the girls, Africa, coming up to me and being like, hey, do you want to hang out with us? And it was her, Camille, and Shaniqua. And I was like, sure. And then as we were hanging out during our little break time or recess, you know, me and Shaniqua got to talking and she looked so familiar. And I realized, you know, she is one of my mom's friends, old friend's daughter. And we reconnected from there. God was on my side that day. So I met my friend group the first day, first break. And we were thick as thieves for the next three years of junior high school. As time went on, my aunt's attitude started to change towards me, of course. At the time, I didn't know why, but looking back on it now, I think it was really a combination of the responsibility of taking care of another child, raising her own daughter who is a teenager at this point. Her marriage was starting to break down, and then also any internal trauma she was still carrying with her from childhood. I recognized that there was a shift. She started making comments about my weight, my shape, because I had a butt, the way my clothes hung on me you know she felt they were too tight and it really wasn't it was just the fact that I had a booty so you know I had a shape on me I'm a black girl and the clothes here in Calgary or in Canada were especially during those times were not geared towards girls like me you know who had a shape on them in Miami yes here no it made me feel really uncomfortable really uncomfortable you know I remember one memory in particular where she oh my gosh I hate this story but it it honestly it's just it stands out so much to this day to me but she took my cousin to the hair salon to get her hair done she got it relaxed trimmed styled you know the salon was very bougie and I just remember thinking my cousin looks so amazing after she got her hair done and it wasn't for any special occasion I don't believe it was just like her regular appointment fast forward to a few weeks later 
my aunt um, started to make comments on my hair that it was dry and that my ends needed clipping and, you know, it's not done. So she ended up taking me to a salon. This was a hole-in-the-wall ghetto-ass place, you know? It was, it was a mess. And the hairstylist, and I'm saying that loosely, <laughs> hairstylist, she parted my hair unevenly. She didn't even wash it, you know? She just did an uneven part, and she started cutting my hair off from ear to ear around. Like, it wasn't even even. She wasn't, you know, combing through it. She didn't know what she was doing at all. And I was so traumatized. This was at the age of 12, you guys, when you start taking notice of your appearance and you start to formulate opinions about it and you start really taking what other people are saying. It was awful. And I'll keep it real. I don't think she wanted me to feel good about myself. I really don't. Why? I have no idea. But I don't think she wanted me to feel good about myself at all. Because on the way home, she made these comments that she didn't have the money to take me to the salon that she took my cousin to. She was saying this and explaining herself. And it wasn't like she was saying it politely. She was saying it really mean and nasty because I had an attitude when we got in the car. You know, I had an attitude. She could see that I was upset. And that was her response. Like, I don't have money to take you to the salon I took Priscilla to, you know? Your hair needs to be done, whatever. So keep in mind, during this time, to my memory, my dad was giving my aunt money for, you know, school fees, whatever, you know? I've seen him put money in her hand when she asked for it. So... She could have easily asked him for money to take me to get my hair done or tell him to take me to go get my hair done, but she didn't. Instead, she took me to a hole in the wall and gave a lady 10 bucks to butcher my fucking hair. So when I look back at it today, my Auntie P is the one that really laid the foundation that I was not the ideal standard of beauty. She had me going to school feeling really subpar and not confident with my appearance. And it really made me feel a way because I, especially at the time, I look completely different from her daughter. Granted, my aunt, she's a darker complexion and she has a biracial daughter who is light-skinned, taller than me, skinnier than me. So where I thought, you know, my cousin was so beautiful because she is so beautiful when my aunt would say these things to me and I'd feel so bad about myself, that's when I started feeling that comparison, you know? Because if you think this about me and this is how I look and your daughter looks completely different, then that must be what you think is beautiful and that I'm not. You know, thank God I didn't develop a complex with my skin tone because I would have been really fucked up. And I feel like the only reason I didn't develop a, com a complex with my skin tone was because I had lived in Miami for so many years where I was surrounded by all black people of different shades, you know? And the living situation with my aunt was, it was getting to be too much and I was just really unhappy there. And I would tell my dad this and eventually he ended up um, moving me to my aunt M's house. <sighs> and boy, was that a mistake. I felt like I went from... <laughs> now I feel like I went from one crazy aunt to another. This aunt, Auntie M, unbeknownst to me, my mom, or my dad, she was an alcoholic, a really bad one. 
She used to yell at me every single day, saying no one cares about me. I remember her pulling a knife on me during one of her really drunk nights. Um, she used to have strange men in the house. Like, I didn't feel safe there. I really didn't. I didn't feel safe, and I didn't feel comfortable. And the only positive thing um, about being there was my older cousin, Trish, would always come over and visit me. And, you know, she'd take me to the library because, again, I love to read. You know, she'd take me to the park. We'd go for Slurpees. It's really amazing when I think about it now because she didn't have to do that. She really didn't. She didn't, but she really took time out of her life to come hang out with me, and I really appreciated that. My time there ended when my Auntie M's daughter was molested while sleeping at the next-door neighbor's house by one of the strange men that actually would frequent my aunt's place. Was I shocked by this, to be honest? No, I wasn't. I knew this incident was very serious. So when it happened, my cousin Trish made sure that um, I told my brother what happened. And, you know, I know she did that because she knew this wasn't the best environment for me. And I had an option out, and she wanted to make sure that happened. So when I told my brother about it, him and his paternal grandparents, whom he lived with, they took me in immediately. Like, it wasn't even a discussion. What is that, like, place number three in a one-year period? Oh, my gosh. You know, I was couch surfing and home hopping in Miami, and then I come to Canada and I'm doing the same freaking thing, but with family members. It was insane. But when I got to my grandparents' house, I thought, thank God, normalcy. You know, this place, it was familiar to me, and I was comfortable because I would spend some nights there to spend time with my brother on the weekends. You know, he would take me to the movies or we'd go to the mall, but, you know, we'd spend time together us too, you know, and this wasn't because of my grandparents forcing him, it's because it was important to him, and I don't know why, because my brother's three and a half years older than me, so I couldn't even imagine his mindset at that age to think, you know, it's important for me to spend time with my little sister, because, you know, my brother is the oldest of four on his dad's side, so it's not like I'm his only sibling, let alone his only sister. So I don't know from his perspective if this is how, you know, he was raised or what he was taught. I don't know who instilled that in him. It's crazy that with all the time that we spent living in two different places, living complete separate lives, it only made our bonds so much stronger. And honestly, our family facilitated in that. I see a lot of blended families where there's drama between the moms, the stepmoms, the dads, the grandparents, and it creates a divide amongst the kids. But with my brother, we were treated as a pair regardless of who we belong to. And I'm really thankful for that. I really am because, you know, people say half siblings like, I don't believe in that shit. My brother is my brother and that's just it. You know, you can't tell me otherwise and we love each other to pieces. You know, we really formed a really close bond for kids that didn't grow up together. I moved to my grandparents' house when I was 13. I loved, love my grandparents' house. It was big, it was spacious, and always clean. And not to mention, my grandma is also an amazing cook. And I also had my own room. My dad did end up going to jail for a few months after I moved there. And I remember when he got out, you know, my grandma's sitting him down and telling him, you need to get your life together because you have a daughter and she needs you. 
you're the only parent that she has here and she needs you to step up and get your stuff together right now. Fast forward to my 14th birthday. I remember I went to school that day and I came home. I remember having the cordless phone in my room because majority of the phone calls that afternoon were for me. My mom called and she wished me happy birthday and of course she asked if my dad called me or if he came to see me. And then, you know, my dad's mom called, asked the same thing. His brother called, asked the same thing. His sister called, asked the same thing. And I just got more and more annoyed every single time one of them asked, where is he? Why hasn't he called me yet? You know, it wasn't something I was concerned about prior to them, but with each one, I was like, okay, like, it's unlike him not to call me on my birthday. That's weird. Even when he was in jail, this is unfamiliar behavior. I went to bed earlier that night. I just felt like in a mood. The next day I went to school and I came home. And as soon as I got inside, my grandma tells me that my dad's brother was coming to pick me up. Very unusual because it was a weekday and he didn't mention it the day before when I spoke to him on my birthday. It was weird. I don't remember questioning it or anything. I just remember in my head mentally, I'm just like, hmm, that's weird. Okay. When my uncle picked me up, um, he said we're headed to my dad's mom's house. Weird. I don't know what's happening. He's not really telling me a whole lot, but whatever. We're going to go with it. I want to share with you guys something that stood out to me that day that I have never said out loud to another human being. As we're driving, I noticed the way the sky looked. There was a beam of sunlight bursting through the clouds. And I remember seeing this and thinking that I've seen this before when I lived in Miami. And I remember that day very vividly. I was walking with my friend Sunelis and she pointed to the sky and the same thing. There was a beam of sunlight bursting through the clouds. And she explained to me that that means that someone just died and their soul is being lifted into heaven. That always stuck with me. And I never saw it again until that day when I was in the car with my uncle. And that's what I thought. I thought back to that memory, you know, and I said it to myself mentally. Oh, someone just died and their soul is being lifted into heaven. When I got to my dad's mom's house, my aunt was there. She shared with me that my dad had been killed the day before. The day before was my birthday. I don't recall how I felt exactly in that moment, but I do remember not being there long and just wanting to go home. Losing my dad was the last straw emotionally for me. I still had this hard exterior, but I was so fragile inside. After that, I remember having dreams about losing my mom, and I think that's normal for kids who lose a parent. That's exactly where your mind starts to go. I really should have been taken to see a therapist or somebody so that I could just talk through my feelings and my emotions and learning how to verbalize them because I didn't. You know, I was so crushed inside and there was no one I was opening up to. And I'm sure my aunt probably asked me a couple times, but honestly, a lot of my family members did not make the effort to really check in on me and make sure that I was okay, like on a consistent basis. Maybe they gave their condolences initially. Maybe they said, I'm here for you, but... As a kid, you don't know what that is. You don't know how to ask for help. You don't know that you need help. So every year on my birthday, there's always a moment in the day where I get real quiet and I start to think about him. And I think about that day and I think about what I lost. 
My birthday is a huge, huge trigger for me. And that's why since then I've always liked to plan something fun and happy for me so I'm not inside dwelling on it, you know, being miserable and moping around. And that's also why I get so upset when people forget my birthday because there's just so much trauma around that day. And you know what? A lot of people don't know that my dad was killed on my birthday. A lot of people don't know and now you guys know that. And it's hard for me to share because it's a lot. And, you know, I go through this every single year It's just something that I'm going to have to deal with every single day until I die. Something I really want to share with you guys is that about that whole um, beam of sunlight. When I went to go see the psychic, she referenced that moment. And, you know, those were one of the wow moments that I had with her where I'm just like, oh, shit, she's the real deal. Because as I told you guys, I've never told anybody about that. I have never told anyone about that. So when she brought that up, I was like, holy shit. Moving along. This, I think, is where I started having a hard time living at my grandparents' house. The challenges that I was experiencing there were strictly with my grandma. I love both my grandparents. All my challenges were with my grandma. Honestly, it was because, you know, there was a difference in generation and values You know, my grandma is an old school Jamaican lady. She was raised in a time where women were taught to be homemakers, and that's what she was. She took care of the household and us flawlessly. And although she did raise my brother his whole entire life, I was different because I was a girl and we were living in different times. She couldn't raise me the same way that she raised her daughters. Again, it was different times, and I'm a completely different person. And I had been through so much. And she was really tough on me. And because of that, I really resisted everything hard. You know, when it came to learning how to cook, I resisted that my whole time living in that house. (laughs) And it's not because there was anything wrong, wrong with learning to cook, but it was the way she positioned it. You know, you need to learn how to cook to feed your husband. And I was just like, lady, chill out with that. (laughs) You know? Not to mention we had nothing in common and we just could not relate to each other at that point. You know, my grandma can't relate to a little teenage little girl in this, you know, that's been through so much in this time period. And my grandma, you know, in her defense, she was not aware of everything that I had been through. I'm sure my resistance upset my grandma. I'm almost definite that it did because it would come out when she would yell at me. And my grandma used to yell at me nonstop. To a point where I was just used to it, you know? I would just tune her out. It didn't matter what I did or what I tried to, how I tried to act differently or anything. She was always on me. And no matter what the crime was, (laughs) whatever I did wrong, her reaction was always the same. Dishes in the sink, not cleaning the bathroom to her satisfaction, you know, my bed not being made that morning, getting a little bit of water on the floor when I'm getting out the shower. Like, she would go ham and go in on me. And I can honestly, if I think about it now, those, like, memories, I can hear her screaming my name. I really can. Like, and it's so funny because when I think about it now, like, I just think of the room, like, shaking because that's how loud her voice was and she would yell. And 
it always upset me because, you know, she would say stuff like, she can't deal with me, that she doesn't want me here anymore. But being so fragile internally, I felt like I couldn't do anything right. And I felt like I was this big burden that can be disposed of at any point. And I didn't have anybody, you know? I had my brother, but my brother was living his own life, you know? He wasn't there 24-7. You know, he had basketball, he had a job, he was in school also. So he wasn't there all the time. And my brother would try his best to mediate the situation and tell me just to ignore her. And he would talk to my grandma, but it was a lot. And my grandpa, you know, he was at work during these times. So he wasn't aware of everything that was happening on the day-to-day basis. So he worked nights. So the only time I saw my grandpa is when he would come in at like 11 p.m. if I was still up or on the weekends. That was the only time. So he wasn't privy to the day-to-day things that were happening. And definitely sometimes when these things would happen when he was there, he would calm the situation down. But, you know, again, when you hear these things, you hold it inside and it just echoes in your mind over and over and over and you internalize it. At that time in my life, I needed positive attention. I needed to be nurtured. I needed to be told good things about myself. And I just wasn't getting that at home. I always needed that, but at that time, I really needed it. And it's unfortunate. It wasn't a constant for me. And I'm not saying that no one ever gave me positive attention or, you know, no one told me positive things about myself. Like, you know, I'd hear it from my dad's sister, But on a day-to-day basis in that household, those weren't things that I felt and I experienced. At some point in grade nine, my grandparents went to Jamaica for a couple of months. And they did that because my grandpa would be retiring in the next few years. So they were starting to get their affairs in order for when he retired. Now, during that time, my aunt came to visit us, or not visit us, but she came to stay with us at my grandparents' house because obviously me and my brother were um, still in school. We're still minors. So my aunt, my grandma's daughter, came and lived in the house with us. I really loved her being there and I adored her and she came at a time when I needed her to be there. Again, I thought she was so cool, so beautiful, so hip. I felt like she got me and between her and my dad's sister, I started to come into the girly side of myself. They taught me to do my hair and my makeup. That's when I started wearing makeup, getting my eyebrows done and putting together cool outfits for school. We would go to the movies, we'd go for dinners. It was amazing because I didn't just have one cool auntie, I had two. And I really cherished those times with them and I wish they lasted longer. Unfortunately, I don't have a relationship with either one of them anymore, but you know, I still love them and that time was amazing. I was eventually able to go back to Miami to visit my mom in the summers when I was in high school. When I went to visit my mom, she seemed to be doing a lot better, but I resented her. So much had happened in Canada to me. She wasn't there. And yeah, I spoke to my mom all the time on the phone living in Canada, but it wasn't the same because, you know, when I was living at my Auntie P's house complaining about her, my mom was not listening. You know, she didn't care. She just felt like I should endure whatever because that person's the adult and I'm a child and I need to stay in a child's place. And it was the same thing when I was at my Auntie M's house and I was trying to tell my mom that she drinks too much and she's really volatile and she just wasn't taking what I was saying seriously. And then with my grandparents, it wasn't anything crazy. It was just like little things where I'm just like, 
you know, grandma won't let me spend the night at so-and-so's house, which I'm actually thankful for now because, honestly, people do not let your kids sleep over at anybody's house because you can't trust anybody with your kids but yourself. But, you know, these, I complain about little things about my grandparents, but I'd be like, you know, grandma's always yelling at me. Obviously, my mom couldn't change the situations because she wasn't there, but she could at least talk me through it, you know, and at least listen and hear me out. And she didn't, you know, she's very dismissive. When I'd go to Miami, I'd spend time with her. As much as I liked going back to Miami to like see my cousins, it was cool. And I get to see Charlene, which I loved. But my grade 12 year, my grandparents started to, this is when they embarked on their snowbird life. As I mentioned, when I was in grade nine, um, they went for a few months to, you know, start their preparation. By the time I was in grade 12, my grandpa had retired and they were ready to go, you know, they peaced out. I guess when I think about it now, I'm just like, Grandma, I obviously wasn't that bad of a kid if you left me and my brother in the house by ourselves. And I know you're probably thinking, you know, well, your brother would have been like 20 at the time. Yeah, but that's still crazy, you know. Yeah, my brother's older than me, but he still has a whole life. He can't watch me 24-7. It was an adjustment for both of us. I don't know why they decided to start that then and not just wait until after I graduated high school, like, it's one more year, guys. I don't, I don't know what the rush was, but hey, they got a life to live, so they dipped. But as I mentioned, it was an adjustment for both of us, me and my brother. And we did have an uncle that was supposed to be, like, staying with us and, like, kind of watching over us, but he wasn't. So it was really just me and my brother. Um, Obviously, our routine had changed. You know, we were used to coming home every day, and my grandma you know, having dinner in the microwave for us every day, you know, cooking six days a week, cleaning up after us and stuff. So, you know, now that they were gone, my brother took it a lot harder, not just because of those superficial stuff, but just that home comfort, you know, it really got to him. And he, he went through a lot during that time. And even though I'm the younger sibling, I was used to the chaos and change and having to take care of myself and stuff, you know? My brother wasn't used to that because he had lived with my grandparents his whole entire life. He had always had stability. He always had them there, you know, nurturing him and being there. And now that they were just, you know, it wasn't even a trans, like a smooth transition. It wasn't even just like small increments. Like they just like pieced out completely. Once they got back, things did you know, somewhat returned to normalcy. I ended up graduating high school. I started dating my first boyfriend and things were good until they weren't. <laughs> um, my grandma and I ended up having a really big blow up, you know, as we usually did. But I feel like at this point, because, you know, I'm 18 now and she just let me know she wanted me out and she wanted me out in two weeks. Like, it was a wrap. That's it. This wasn't one of those situations where I spoke to my brother about it. When she said it, I'm just like, okay, well, don't threaten me with a good time. Bye. In two weeks, I was out of there. You know, I packed up my stuff and I left. I went to my cousin's dad's house and the plan was I lived there for a little bit and then I would move to into her mom's house, which was my Auntie P again. Why would I want to go back and live with Auntie P? Because at that age, I didn't know, I can't, rationalize like I can now all the things I endured the first time around. My mom did end up moving back to Canada after I graduated high school um, during that summer. And she literally just popped up in Calgary with no warning or anything. So 
when she got here, it was when I was just about to move into my Auntie P's house. And so she moved there too. And she's acting like she hasn't been gone forever. It was really weird. And I, again, I still had that resentment for her because I'm like, you missed out on everything. You missed out on me getting my period. You missed my junior high graduation, my high school. You've missed all my dance recitals. You've missed everything. Me getting my first job. Like, you miss everything, lady. And, you know, I held on to that resentment towards her. After a few months of living at my Auntie P's house, um, me and my mom ended up getting our own place together. And while living there, we were butting heads so much because I obviously haven't lived with her for years. And I still had all that resentment. And I just felt like she didn't know me. She didn't know what I've been through here and she had no sympathy. No, I'm sorry I wasn't there. No acknowledgement for her absence at all, which really pissed me off. And, you know, I'd say these things to her. So I lived with my mom for about five years um, before I got my own place um, with a roommate. And it wasn't until I moved into that place that I, I had to put myself into like a self-isolation. Like I literally stopped talking to all my friends. Like, I didn't get into a fight. I just, like, stopped calling people. You know, I stopped going out. You know, I was already in a rough spot just because of other stuff, like friend stuff. But, you know, I took that time that I'm, like, I'm in a new place. I'm by myself. I'm in control of everything. And that's when I started embarking on, you know, my healing journey. And that's when I got into the place of forgiving my mom and rebuilding our relationship. And during that time, I had to learn to accept the past for what it is and recognize that my mom and dad weren't perfect. My grandparents aren't perfect. My aunts weren't perfect. Adults are not perfect. It's sad because as a child, you go through all these things. And unfortunately, in that moment, you recognize that they're not perfect and that they're just regular human beings. But you just can't rationalize it. You just get upset. And that anger brews, that sadness brews. And it's not until you become an adult and you start to reflect on it or you have your own kids and now you're in that position that you realize they did what they could. And sometimes they made good decisions, sometimes they made bad. And sometimes the bad outweighs the good. You know, my upbringing wasn't perfect, but it's nothing that I'm ashamed of. I am who I am because of these experiences and I'm still in a place of healing to this day because there's still so much more to unpack. And I'm just sharing with you guys the family stuff, you know, maybe in another episode we'll talk about like friendships and, and you know, boyfriends and stuff like that. But this episode is primarily about just family and the trauma that I experienced. And some people may think like, you know, none of this stuff is really that bad. Like people have been through worse And people have been through worse, but everyone has experienced hurt. And we should acknowledge that and we should be sensitive to that. And we should be nicer. We all experience things and people outside looking into us, they don't know that we've gone through things. I've come such a long way and I'm so thankful for who I am and where I am today because I wouldn't change anything about myself. There's obviously things I want to improve on. I'm really thankful for who I am today. It took a lot to get here. If you guys follow me on Instagram at Tanisha.Cherry, you obviously see that I post my brother and my nephew. I post my mom all the time. I love my mom to pieces. We have the best relationship. But again, it's not perfect. Shoot, still to this day, if I try to talk to my mom about some of these things, she's very dismissive. I tried to talk 
to her about this just recently and she's dismissive of it because of where I am in life I'm fine with it because I know what I experience and maybe one day we'll be able to have a conversation an honest transparent conversation about it but she may just not be at that place emotionally and mentally where she can revisit this because to be honest guys I've recorded this episode three times and like I said in the last one this is the final one we're not re-recording this because I feel like I finally got it perfect I only cried once during this one the other ones I cried throughout the whole entire episode it's a lot to unpack old memories and old feelings you know that is triggering in itself it's a lot and I've been trying to do this all day. It took me all day to do this. The purpose of me sharing my story was not only for you guys to get to know me better and have better insight into how I arrived at the person I am today, but also to inspire you guys to not live in shame of the things that you've experienced. Some of you may have experienced things like I did, some of you guys may have experienced something differently, but I don't want you guys to live in shame because of it. When I say that things happen, I'm not saying that to be dismissive. I'm honestly just bringing transparency to the fact that things happen and it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to still not be okay with things from the past. And I want to read you guys a couple quotes that I found online because I thought they were really inspiring to read and Hopefully, it this helps somebody else that's listening to this. So one of them is, it's okay if a certain thing that happened in the past still affects you, even if you think it's been a long time and that you should be over it by now. If you're not, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with taking baby steps in your healing process. Take your time and move at your own pace. And that struck a chord with me because healing process looks different for everybody. Some people are, you know, in the healing process their whole entire life. Some people it takes years. Some people it takes months, you know. And some people are healing not just from one situation but from multiples. And there's things overlapping. And then here's another one. Just because there are people who have it worse than you doesn't mean that the problems you're facing aren't valid. You're still allowed to feel whatever emotion you need to and shouldn't feel guilty for doing so. Yes, there are others in more difficult situations, but you shouldn't have to minimize this credit or ignore your own struggles because of it. And then the last one I want to read to you was one that I actually saw today on Romeo Miller's um, Instagram. He posted his Bible study notes and in it, it says growth is faster during your darkest time. Pain is the high cost of growth. You can't have the product without the process and the same thing that is discouraging you is the same thing that God is using to develop you. Problems are preparation for success. And God is bigger than your enemies. God is bigger than your critics. Your problem is how you choose to respond to your problems. I know this whole episode was very heavy. When I was talking to my brother this morning, he told me, he's like, yeah, and you should try to end on a lighter note because, you know, it's heavy a lot of the stuff that you're going to be talking about. And I'm just like, uh, like, well, what's the lighter note? Well, the lighter note is that me and my mom have an amazing relationship. I have a great life now today. I'm really thankful for the relationship that I have with my mom and I'm glad that she can be here with me during these times. And I'm glad that I'm a lot more, I'm completely anyone that knows me. I'm very much more vocal than I ever was in my whole entire life. I was a very shy, timid kid. And now you guys can realize why because I had a lot going on in my head. I had a lot of feelings going around in my body. So 
I, you know, I kept that all bottled up inside. And the person I am today is like, if you say something that I don't like, you know, that's hurtful, I'm going to tell you, you know, if I'm feeling a type of way about something, I am going to let you know. And that's worked for me sometimes. And that hasn't worked for me sometimes, but especially with my relationship with my mom, I, you know, I'm at the place where if she does something like she does something to me almost every day to annoy me. But, you know, if she does something that really bothers me, I'll tell her. I don't like that you said that and I don't and you need to stop doing that. You know, I have created those boundaries and sometimes she stays within them and sometimes she crosses them. And you know what happens? I hang up on Mama Cherry. Okay? And you know what happens when she tries to call me back? I ignore her call and I send her a text saying, I didn't like that you said that. I told you I don't like that and you're still doing it. So I don't want to talk to you for the rest of the day. (laughs) And sometimes you have to be like that with your parents, you guys. I know a lot of us are in these roles where we feel like they're our senior and we have to... Um, we have to not say certain things because it comes across disrespectful or not having manners or being rude but we have to get out of that mindset as a community that sharing your feelings just because it's not positive feelings and it's a result of the person you're sharing it to that's not disrespectful and that's not rude yes your delivery can come across that way but you should always share the way someone is making you feel if it's if it's negative. Because the purpose of sharing those feelings is so that they don't do it again and you no longer feel like that again. And for people that are receiving that information, you know, if there's any parents or adults listening to that or my current family members listening to that, you know, I feel like take that in. If someone comes to you and says, you know, when you said this, it really hurt my feelings, or I didn't like the way you handled this with me, or I don't like how this situation happened because of X, Y, Z. You need to take that in, acknowledge it, and really have a good conversation afterwards, you know, and apologize. Apologize that something that an action that you did or something that came out of your mouth made them feel anything less than positive. That may have not been your intention, But that's what happened. And as human beings and as adults, we need to recognize that. There's nothing wrong with apologizing to people. I don't know why people think that's a negative, if that's a weakness, or that's admitting fault. It's taking accountability for your actions, and it's making the other person feel better. you know. And it's also an acknowledgement that you're going to do better. And don't apologize just to shut them up, but actually try to make some sort of a change. It's nothing to apologize to people. And I tell people that all the time. Like, it's nothing to apologize to me. When people apologize to me about things, I accept it and I keep it moving. You know, there's no reason for me to harp on it. The problem lies where people come with an apology five months after the fact. But that's another episode. Anyways, it's the birthday. I'm 30 years old. If you guys want to hear an episode of what I've learned in my 20s, I actually want to do a YouTube video about that. So let me know if you'd rather actually hear that on the podcast or if you would prefer a YouTube video. But thank you so much, you guys, for tuning into this episode. I know it is a long one, but I really appreciate it. This was very scary for me to record because... I'm recording this with the intention of being vulnerable and transparent with you guys and hopefully helping somebody, you know, realize that other people do experience these feelings 
and they're not alone at all. You know, I know you see my social media, you see my relationship with my mom, and it all looks great. And it is great, but there's a lot of backstory and history that wasn't great. When I shared the story with you guys, I shared it from my birth all the way up to, I believe, the age of 24. And that's just like family stuff, you know? And that's the main family stuff. That's not even everything else that's occurred because we'd be here for 40 days and 40 nights if that's the case. But I really appreciate you guys taking, you know, listening to the full episode. And I'd love to have a chat about it on social media. You know, if you guys want to have a discussion about it, about trauma, about triggers, if you've lost a parent at all, um, if you've lost siblings, family members, if you've had to move around to different family members, if you've had a parent who was in and out of jail your whole entire life, if you didn't grow up with your parents, like I'd like to have this conversation with people and see how they're healing, have they started the healing process, you know, have they spoke to a therapist, you know, what is going on with them, I'd love to continue that conversation. I appreciate you guys tuning in today's episode of the Cherry Lounge podcast. Make sure you are subscribed and you give me a five-star review. You know, I would really appreciate it. It helps me out a lot, you guys. Also, if you are listening on your mobile devices, send, you know, make a screenshot, post it on Instagram stories, tag Cherry Lounge podcast as well as Tanisha.Cherry, and I'll repost you guys. I promise. I promise. And then, you know, course once we get into the swing of things i'll start doing random giveaways and i promise you i actually will i'm not just saying that we will be doing some giveaways and yeah it'll be a good time thank you again i will talk to you guys in the next episode later